Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soul Survivor Podcast. We are here with another week of off-season content, an absolutely hugely extended off-season, but fun nonetheless. Yeah, we are back at it again. Um, we did some casting drafts. We took a break and did some other types of content, but now we are back to drafting. Let's do it. Yeah, you know, it was a good break from drafting, but ultimately I do love these casting drafts. So we decided to do a pretty creative one this week. Um, it is called Survivor Bad Breaks, and this is going to include anybody that's gone screwed anytime they play. So whether that means they got voted out because of an advantage that was played against them and idol played against them, um, because there was some twist that we've never seen before, which is the reason they went home because of an injury. Um, any anything like that, these are the players that we're be dra- we're going to be drafting tonight. This is going to give us a really interesting group of people because unfinished business was obviously a lot of legendary players who didn't clinch the title, but they've had a lot of unfinished business. Heroes and villains are easy to define. Second chance is easy to define, as is third time's a charm, but. Bad breaks because it can cover an injury, it can cover a twist, an idle out, um, a family emergency. Uh, it's a lot of factors that go into this. So we're going to get a really varied cast, and I'm looking forward to talking about some people that we may not have talked about before up until this point. Yeah, and, and a big reason why, like you said, why this is going to be such an interesting cast is because we could have some legendary players in it, but we could also have some people that only lasted a few days in their game and I've only played once. So we're going to really have a very varied cast. And I think a reason why this season would work so well is it would almost feel like a second chance season where, you know, they're getting another opportunity, um, but it's just not everyone. It's their second chance playing. Some it's their third, some it's maybe even their fourth. Um, But one thing that they will, you know, a lot of the confessionals would be based around is, you know what, like I could not have left my survivor journey going out like this. Now I, you know, got another chance and I'm lucky for that. So that's the type of season that this would be. And I think that that's why this will be a really good draft. Yeah. Can they, uh, not to quote go silent, but can they reverse the curse? Um, yeah. And it's interesting because like we said, some of these people might be legends. Some might be people you don't really remember, but luckily they all share that one criteria of they really caught a bad break. And I think most people, when we were looking online and seeing, what some of the um, comments and listeners were saying who should be included. We all were on the same wavelength of who we should see. So people kind of agree with that criteria. Um, before we get to our picks though, I'm curious that obviously all these people are going to not be winners because they caught a bad break, but I'm trying to think about any winners that came back for a second time or a third or fourth time that got a bad break. I'm thinking like a Jenna Maraska who left for a family emergency in Amazon. I'm trying to think of any winners that came back and had a bad break. I'm trying to think yeah, about that's that's actually interesting. Like when we were thinking of potential people, I personally did not really think of winners just because, mm-hmm. you know, even if they had been screwed at one of their seasons, they did win the game at some point. Um, and I feel like uh, a season like this should be reserved for players who haven't won, um, but, you know, have gotten the bad break. But, you know, I think Jenna, it would be good fitting under that category. And I also think, hmm, is, is maybe that's maybe that's it but oh I, I guess you could kind of say like a jt um but yeah. then again he kind of he kind of created his own luck his own bad luck with that one so i don't know if we'd really have to include him there you also, <laughs> you also could kind of lump in at natalie anderson for being on the same tribe as jeremy and getting a really bad tribe draw there i, I do think if she was on the call instead of Sele, she could have really made a, a bigger dent so mm-hmm. yeah no i i do agree with that and you know fortunately for her she did end up getting back in the game and finishing in second place so mm-hmm but that, that is interesting. You bring up the thing about winners. And, you know, another thing this week that we didn't have last week is we're finally back live with Twitter working live as well as YouTube, uh, Twitter slash Periscope. And 
I'm happy because we'll have more people viewing this time, more people in the comments. And like normal, if you have players in mind that we should pick, throw them in the comments. And if we pick them, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll show your comments live, some of them. And if we don't end up picking them, then, you know, we'll have, we'll discuss at the end when we talk about honorable mentions or players that just missed the cast here. Yeah. Oh, and Alan brings up a good point in the comments before we get started here that Sarah and Tony were on the same tribe. So, you know, it's kind of like the, um, the pot calling the kettle black where it's like, well, Natalie was on the same tribe as Jeremy. What's the difference there? And I do think it's a really good point though. Sarah and Tony, I think should have been targeted early because of their connection, but I think because of their, their history, that's why they weren't targeted. Obviously Nat and Jeremy were solid both in and out of the game. So people were scared of them as a threat. I think people were more waffling on where cops are us stood after their prior seasons, but that is an interesting point. Yeah. I, I actually, I didn't think of that too much, but that, that is pretty interesting there. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So Ryan, I will give you the honors and let you go first. And oh. since, since we do not have three anymore for these casting drafts, we'll just go you, me, you, me, you, me, you, me. We won't do like a snake or anything. So I, I can't pull the half card and force a snake. <laughs> you yeah. cannot since we yeah. only have two now, but go for it. First pick. All right. You. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I got to take three fields. Um, you know, it's funny because, you know, in our last draft, unfinished business, I took Sari first last time. But honestly, if you have to define what's a bad break and getting a really bad draw on Survivor, nobody has it worse than Sari in terms of bad luck. And I think if you look at Reddit, you look at our comments on our Twitter, everybody agrees. The fact that Sari has never been voted out naturally and always has a extenuating circumstance. The most natural of her vote outs was when she got idled out in heroes versus villains when they were when the heroes try to take out tom westman and tom plays an idol and saves himself but every other time she loses in a fire making duel micronesia the final three becomes the final two and if it was a final three she probably would have beaten parv and amanda and then game changers the dreaded advantage get in just took her out never had a single vote against her all season didn't get a single vote that night and still went home again Suri's a legend i think she'll probably be the most legendary player on this cast so I don't know how realistic this season would ever be, but if you're talking about a bad break and somebody who just had really terrible luck, nobody has had it as rough as Sari Fields, who is a legend. And it's funny that you, it's funny that you talk about the most natural way that she was voted out was here as villains when she was idle out, because yeah. some people who were idle out are on this list. So her most natural way of getting out, getting out in survivor is a bad break for somebody exactly. else. Like, yeah. And I mean, I think that you can make a pretty compelling argument that, Advantage Geddon is the worst break out of in Survivor history. Like I, I think that that's when you talk about bad breaks, you don't get more of a bad break than that. So, I just it, it, Dylan, it hurts me every time. I'm sure <laughs> this is not the last time we'll mention Advantage Geddon, but every time it, it hurts me to talk about. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And you know, Suri was if I had the first pick of this draft, I would have taken Suri. But now that it's my pick, I'm going to go ahead and take probably the second most legendary you know, person on my li- on my board and list here. And I'm going to take Malcolm. Uh, Malcolm and Game Changers, I mean, you can't really make up what happened to him. He's in a pretty good spot going into um, where wherever he, he got. He got voted out of final 17, which is crazy. Um, but he's in a pretty good spot at that point until there's a twist that, you know what, both tribes are going to Tribal Council together tonight. And it turns out that six votes go on Sierra, five votes go on Malcolm, but Ty, who has an idol, plays his idol for Sierra. Sierra saved, all the votes get nulled there, and Malcolm ends up going home. So really screwed up, tw- you know, a twist plus an idol. Like that's that's pretty brutal from, you know, for Malcolm. And I, I'd love to see Malcolm play a fourth time. I think he deserves it. 
Yeah, and when we talk about things like rewriting history and you know what could have happened had Malcolm not gone out there, I'm trying to think back in the first uh, four tribal councils. I thought Malcolm, like you said, was in a really good spot. Um, he was kind of in control of the Sierra vote out first because she was kind of disrupting the flow of the game because she was kind of scrambling and kind of making moves. And Malcolm's like, you know what? She's a big player. I do want some shields around me, but she's kind of upsetting the apple cart as it is. And I think he was in a good spot after that. He was close with a lot of people. And then again, like you said, the whole JT thing and Ty playing the idol for Sierra really dealt him a bad hand. Also, you have to consider not only was it bad luck because he's a great player, so they took him out, but it could have been Sandra that that group put their votes on. It could have been... It wasn't going to be JT because Culpepper knew JT was close with him, but it could have been Sandra. It could have been, um, you know, Aubrey's a great player also. It could have been um, Michaela as a physical threat, and it just happened to fall on Malcolm. So it's really rough for the draw. Bad luck on the draw there. I do think that if he wants it, I'm sure a fourth time could be there for Malcolm. But after how he went out, I don't know if he would want to return, but we'll see. I think I've heard that from you know just reading stuff on twitter reddit stuff like that i think i heard that he would be open to it but maybe not for a little bit so mm-hmm. we'll have to see what happens i could definitely see him back for a legends type season so you never know you never know all right now we start getting into the players who we might not have spoken about so far and all the drafts all the moments all the off-season content we may not have spoken about any of these people so i'm happy to get involved and get deeper into this draft right here yeah Again, some names you'll recognize, some names you might not recognize. Um, let's go back to season 15, China, and go with Aaron Reesberger. Um, now, this is interesting because I want to talk more about this because Aaron is constantly cited as somebody who is one of the most um, swap-screwed players or one of the most robbed players from a twist. And I do want to talk about what we saw on the TV show and the facts that we were presented with, but also some behind the scenes stuff that people might not know that we got from when PG talked to Rob. So Aaron is a classic example of the swap screw where he gets swapped into the minority of a new tribe and does not have the votes to flip and to save himself. But even worse than a simple drawing a buff, this was the twist in China where both tribes were presented with a chance to pick the two strongest people on the other tribe. And in that case, they were going to uh, poach their people. So John Hu takes Aaron and James, arguably the two strongest men in the game. And then, of course, John Hu takes Sharia and Frosty, their strongest players. And at this point, the cards were dealt and PG goes to Jamie and says, let's throw the challenge to ensure we get rid of one of Fei Long's members. And Aaron had no chance here. He was in a great uh, majority alliance with Todd and Amanda and Courtney over on Fei Long. So Aaron was in a really bad spot. The one caveat that I think has come to light that PG mentioned was James Clement was actually meant to get voted out here. Actually, once they swapped, PG was like, we're going to go for James. He's obviously the biggest guy in the game. We're going to take him out. But Aaron was really secretive, apparently. Aaron wasn't really giving PG and Jamie a lot of knowledge about his old tribe. He was kind of saying, oh, you know, I don't want to give up a lot of information. And he wasn't really willing to play ball with them. Meanwhile, James was, was very open, very forthcoming, and very um, keen to work with them. So it actually flipped onto Aaron. So while I do think Aaron got a really bad draw here, there was a possibility he maybe could have saved himself. Yeah, that's actually interesting you bring that up. I never heard that before, so it's interesting. But, you know, like you mentioned, if this is just a regular swap, who knows what could have happened. The fact that, 
you know, I, I don't think we've ever seen a twist like this where they get to choose people to come on their tribe. Right. And I think that there's a reason why we've never seen that again. It's like, it's almost like now it's not obviously not the same, but it's almost like extortion. Like you take the strongest player in the game and you just try and you try and you're, you're going to try and vote them out. And that's kind of what this swap was. And, you know, Aaron was in a really, really good position before this. He seemed according to the edit, like he was going to be, Todd and Amanda's third in this alliance. And, you know, I'm sure Todd and Amanda probably would have had no plans to bring him to the end because of the type of physical threat he is, but he definitely could have advanced pretty far in the game had there not been a crazy twist slash swap here. Yeah. Again, we haven't seen this um, type of twist before. China was a great season because it introduced a lot of these unique concepts, unique challenges, unique location. Um, I mean, also we had the old school type of kidnap element where you kidnap somebody after a reward and they come to your camp. Um, no, I, I honestly, I think even though this was a really rough twist that I wouldn't want to see again, China had a lot of unique concepts for sure. Yeah, I agree. May, you know what? Would, would you like to see the kidnapping twist back at some point? Because I feel like with the new school strategy, like chaos could happen from that. I actually would not mind. Um, I think, it. I mean, we also saw it in Samoa where... Um, you know, um, Foa Foa used to kidnap some people from Galoo because they kept losing. But um, no, I think it's an interesting twist, especially now that the game moves twice as fast as it used to. I think it could lead to some either either strategy or some great TV moments. I'm for it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, but now that it's my pick, I'm going to have to go with, you know, fast forward 24 seasons ahead of that to season 39. Um, you know, a season that people will want to forget, but did have some really, really good uh, players and characters. And one of those is Janet, who was taken out by an idle nullifier. I believe she's only the second person ever to be taken out um, by an idle nullifier. And, you know, Janet was a fan favorite all season. She gets to final five. And if she if if her idol was able to be played, then she's sitting there at the final four with at least a chance to make fire and get into the final three. And look, I'll tell you this. If she gets to the final three, I don't think it wouldn't matter who she played. I'm pretty sure she gets, you know, most of the votes or at yeah. least comes extremely close to winning. I don't know if she would have beat Tommy. I think she probably would have because of how well liked she was and the odds that were against her, you know, being the stereotypical quote unquote older woman in the game that's been known to, you know, a stereotype that's been known to be voted at first and she completely crushed that stereotype was one of the was maybe the strongest woman in the game and easily could have won that season had this not been a twist um so yeah janet a fan favorite i think people would love to see her back and i think she does deserve another chance if she wants it yeah you bring up a lot of really good points i'm glad that these stereotypes and also these um survivor trends are getting smashed like I, again, I also thought for sure Janet was going to be a early pre-merged boot, just again, not because of her, because she's a very amazing person and a, a, also a great player, but because of trends that were that had been set in Survivor where that older woman archetype goes out early. So I would have thought she would have gone out early. And then in Winners at War, we all thought, maybe not, maybe not half, but we all thought Tony was going to not do well in Winners at War, and he ends up playing in one of the best games ever. So... I'm just glad that at this point, these, again, trends and stereotypes have been crashed because now I can kind of go into a season with a fresh mind and seeing what someone can do. But yeah, Janet was great. She finds two idols in her season. She's one of very few females to find multiple idols in a single season. And, you know, with her hard work ethic and with her um, likability, she cruised up until the merge. The whole 
incident happened that we don't need to talk about, but then she kind of got on the outs, but because of her social game, managed to work her way back into the majority and almost got to the end, if not for the nullifier. I wanted to ask you, Dylan, really quickly before we move on, what are your thoughts on the nullifier as a twist? Um, do you want to see it again? Should it be reduced in power? What are your thoughts on it? I'm fine with the twist, um, but I think that people need to be smarter with their idols. Now, granted, I, a lot of people like Tony use idols as leverage to, you know, make people trust them. But, you know, the question is, is that always the right move? Like, you don't you don't know what other advantages can be out there. You don't know when that person could use that information to blindside you when you don't even see it coming. So I think that it goes back to the original idea of, well, are we going to, you know, as a player, would you tell somebody that you have the idol unless you completely need to? Um, yeah. the, sec- the second thing, yeah, I mean, yeah, is it a little bit of an overpowering twist? Yes, but I think that it takes a lot for that move to be for an idol nullifier to be used correctly. So now is now just remind me quick: is the way an idol nullif- the way an idol nullifier is played? It's a person plays an idol and then the person plays the idol nullifier, right? So yeah, basically, like I'm thinking of Carl. So the way it works is that if Carl wants to use it that night, he has to play it that night before the votes are read, and he has to put it into the urn with the person he's voting for. So oh, it, right, right. So it's very hard to play because not only do you okay. have to get it on the right night, but the right person as well. Right. Okay. Right. So yeah, it is very hard to play. It's not like it's not like what I originally had remembered it as or thought for whatever reason. It's not mm-hmm. like Janet's playing the idol and then. And then they're saying, all right, well, we're going to nullify it. Because then it makes it a brainless advantage to use. You just keep it until that person plays the idol. Like, you have to know that they're going to play their idol that night, yeah. most likely. So, I yeah, I think that there is a lot of strategy into it. I think it's fine. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I know that, you know, the fact that it's been used correctly twice um, in out of the – did we see it in Season 38 at all? No. I don't think we did, right? So, the two times that it's been a thing, it's been played correctly, correct? Yes, correct. Right. So I, I think that that, you know, I think that maybe as a viewer, you're thinking, well, maybe it's not as hard to play as, as we think, you know, maybe we should get rid of it. I don't know. I'm fine with it. I'm for if, you know, if it goes away, I won't care. But if they bring it back, I also won't, like, I won't, I won't mind it. So, <sighs> yeah, I, I honestly, I'm so torn on this. Like it's, it's, it's funny because on one hand, I agree that it's hard to play because again, if, if it was overpowered where Jana plays an idol and you can stand up and say, I, I want to nullify it or B, I'm playing the nullifier and all idols tonight are negated that those, both of those scenarios are way too overpowered. So I'm glad that it's tough because it has to be the right night and has to be the right person before the vote. So I'm happy that it's tough to play. My one problem with it is that I do think it's an overpowered concept. Immunity as a concept in survivor has always been, if you have immunity, whether it's an idol or a necklace, you can't be voted out, not due to a rock draw, not due to a fire making. If you are wearing the necklace, you are completely invulnerable so i feel like a concept that takes away your safety it almost feels like a little bit too much again if you want to have it i do agree that there is a lot of strategy for it so when dan goes out at the final um 10 or 11 in um um in uh david versus goliath i think it's not that bad because it's still early in the merge i think when janet goes out at final five i think that's a little rough to, to basically to steal it from her when it's the last night you can play an idol is really, really brutal. So again, I'm still torn. I could go forward or go against it, maybe dial it back a bit in terms of when it can be played, but I'm still torn. Yeah, maybe like maybe if the idol nullifier could last be played at like a final seven or a final maybe, eight. Yeah. This way it's not like, well, she's gonna play it if she has it. I'm gonna play it if I have it. You know what I mean? 
So yeah, I, I, I agree that there is, there is some controversy there. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, before you make your next pick, yeah. um, I do want to remind everyone that if you are watching, be sure to comment and let us know what players you think should be included in the cast. What do you think of players that we have drafted so far? Um, and you know, we, we may just post your, like put your comment up here for everyone to see. So be Absolutely. sure to comment. So Ryan, without further ado, your next pick. My next pick. Okay. Um, let's go, let's stay in the new school era for the time being and let's go to edge of extinction and I'll take Victoria. Um, I think Victoria in terms of a first time new player showed a lot of promise. Um, again, this theme is bad break. So what's her reason? I think edge of extinction really, really torpedoed her game by Chris Underwood coming back. Um, I think she was poised to at least make the final three, if not win, if, if not for edge of extinction, she was in a great spot. Um, you know, from the start, Victoria kind of sees the returning players and goes, I don't want to work with them. And I want to take out Joe and Aubrey, but keep Joe around as a shield for a while. And she's really savvy. She picks up on the fact that Aubrey is using the same words to everybody. I want to have a dialogue with you. Let's work together and have a dialogue. Let's start a dialogue in this game. She picks up on that fact and goes, she's saying the same thing to everybody her word does not mean anything to me. So she basically says, I want Aubrey out. She masterminds Aubrey's blind side because Aubrey had both an idol and a advantage. And she gets voted out with both in her pocket because Victoria says, let's do a female alliance. And I think it's, that also shows her savviness because she preys upon the insecurity that Aubrey had where I'm a returning player. Nobody wants to work with me. No one's talked any strategy with me. I'm so nervous. So when Victoria throws her a lifeline and says, oh, let's do a female alliance, Aubrey's like, I'll take it. I, I'm great. I'm, I'm happy. And then she just, you know, just yanks it right back. So I feel, feel like Victoria showed a lot of savviness. She always voted the right way, which I've always said is the key mark of a great player. If you're voting correctly at every tribal, you know which way the strategy is going. So all props to you. And again, she votes correctly up until Chris comes back. And then Chris says, oh, by the way, guys, Rick Devins and Victoria are the two biggest threats in the game. And she goes out. So I think she got a really bad break. I would love to see her play on a non-EOE season. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, it's so brutal for her that her game was sunk by, you know, I want to say the wrong person or any person coming back um, Mm -hmm. and basically coming back and saying, yeah, this person's going to win if you let them get to the end. And that pretty much sunk her game. And I think you could, you could somewhat say the same thing about Lauren Lauren O'Connell. You can't as much because she ended up giving her idol to Chris and, you know, she gets screwed that way. So you know, she did, she was there for a little bit, but you never know what could happen if a player like Chris or a player like Rick or both are not coming back into the game. So I, I think it's a good pick. Thanks. And also it's tough because she wasn't even the overall target that night. She only got two out of the six votes. The main target I think was ended up being Rick Devins or Chris. One of them got three votes. So if it wasn't for an idol, they would have gone home instead of her, but she still got a bad draw. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So for my next pick, I'm going to have to go with hmm, tough choices. I'll go with Jessica Lewis. Um, I know we had her in, I believe we had her in our Heroes Villains cast. I could be wrong on that, but I, I know she has definitely showed up in, a, right. Prior, right. in a prior casting draft. Um, yeah, another person who's really screwed by a simple rock draw, a classic rock draw. You know, she draws the wrong rock, and because of that, she goes home. She was in absolutely no danger of going home that tribal. You would think at least. And next thing you know, she draws the wrong rock and is out. So, I mean, again, definition of a bad break right there. Yeah, no, Jessica, um, Jessica's very interesting because she had a very up and down game where she starts in the majority 
And then she kind of works with the girls to blindside Paul, then gets thrown out of the Alliance and has to be saved by David with the idol. Then after the swap into the merge, she gets back into the majority and is in a great spot. But then at the Zeke and Hannah split tribal, she loses out to a rock draw. So Jessica had like a very back and forth game. Chris Hammond saw her as a threat. And that tribal before she got uh, rocked out of the game, I think Chris Hammonds gets voted out in like a 6-4 vote or like a 7-5 vote. So her, the, her name was on the chopping block because she's a great player. And then she ends up getting rocked out. But Jessica knows the game. Um, obviously, she's does Rob has a podcast where um, they go over why X lost Survivor every week. So she knows the game clearly. And I would love to see Jessica play again. Yeah, I completely agree. Oh, do you want to bring up uh, Will's comments about Victoria? Uh, Will says that Victoria um, is she lo- he loves her and thinks she's a great player, but she wasn't screwed by a twist. Even if Chris doesn't come back, Victoria has no way to get to the final three. So I need to remember how the lines were drawn in the sand. Will I know that she and Gavin were tight? I don't remember a scenario where Gavin was going to cut her. I thought Lauren and Julie were in good with her as well, but I could be wrong. I thought Victoria personally had a great path to the final three, but if I go back and watch, maybe there's a chance that her name was coming up earlier than this. I don't really remember us ever being told before Chris comes back that she is a threat. Do do you remember that or not? I don't remember her name on the block. Right. So, so. That, that's why I think that she, you know, and again, she may not have been screwed as directly from a twist as the others. Like, for example, like she wasn't, she, she wasn't part of a rock draw. She wasn't part of an advantage get in where, you know, that it's like a re it's like really, really being screwed. But I think the fact that edge of extinction is there and that she goes the tribal, uh, the tribal right when chris comes back due to chris is why she's a bit screwed yeah so i i do think it is a bad break especially because i i did think she was in a pretty solid position so but i i do like the fact that you commented because it is a, it is definitely an interesting debate topic yeah all, all right, right. My, my pick yes all right i'm gonna go with jamal from Islands of the Idols. So a lot of IOI love here. Uh, and I know it's controversial, but I do think a lot of people that season did get a bad break. And also, unfortunately, I think their, their bad breaks are going to get forgotten about because of what happened. Um, Jamal, like Jessica Lewis, had a very up and down game where he started out in a power position. He was in a tight three with Molly and Jack, and then he gets kind of blindsided at the Molly vote. Then he's in a majority position on the swap tribe. And um, then his ally Jack gets taken out and he actually burns his idol on Nora, which was a very surprising move at the time. I still will never forget him saying I'm playing it on Nora. And I'm like, what, why are you playing it on Nora <laughs> um, instead of yourself or Jack? But um, then the merge happens and he votes, um, you know, with Kelly, which is interesting because Kelly takes out Jack, but he votes with Kelly and then he's left on the outs. But the real reason why I drafted him here is because, of something that was so unfortunate and made me so irritated where he's walking with Karishma in the jungle and there's a piece of parchment just like dangling from a tree and it's like, oh, grab this. You must go to IOI. He goes and Sandra and Rob are like, guess what? You lost your vote. And he's like, because I randomly grabbed a hanging parchment and they're like, well, you should have known it was too good to be true. It's like, in season 39 of Survivor, isn't anything possible? How How was I supposed to know grabbing a thing from a tree would lead me to lose my vote? which severely hampered him at tribal council. He was able to make a fake advantage for Dean, but everyone saw right through it. Um, I do think Jamal was a really interesting player. So I want to see him play again. And I just feel like he got a really raw deal from a automatic vote loss. 
it's really funny because when I when I'm you know when I'm doing my preliminary risk research for this draft tonight, mm-hmm. I had almost completely forgot about what a what a scam that that was. Like I I, I remember you know talking to me and Hef on the podcast right when we did it for season thirty nine about how ridiculous that was. Like I like again like there are so many different lessons they could have done on Island of the Idols and too good to be true, especially in season 39 is not one of them. Like I thought that was so ridiculous. It could have been any single person that had walked and lost their vote. And like, obviously if you see a note hanging from the tree, like you're going to take, like, why would you leave it and be like, Oh, Karishma, you take it. Like, how do you know it's not an idol clue? How do you know it's not a steal vote? Like you don't know what it could be. So I don't, I mean, I don't think it's like, it, I didn't really think that something like that is quote unquote too good to be true. So you're right about Jamal getting screwed from that, you know, from that twist, he does go home that night and I would love to see Jamal play again. So. Yeah. ILI also interest in terms of the twist was also a, a trip as well. Although going back to Janet for a second, I also, I got to give more kudos to Janet as a player because she's the only person that season who turns down Robin Sandra's offer to play a game. She's the only one who says, Nope, I'm good. I don't want to lose my vote tonight. So I, I think IOI, despite everything that happened, produced a lot of savvy first-time players. Yeah, I, I actually think that Islands of the Idols is something they would do again. And I, I this may be a little controversial, but if there's any way that they could get Legends back, I think they would do it. If they could get Poverty and Tyson, who both expressed interest in doing something like this, if they get both of them on an island together doing Islands of the Idols, I could see them doing a second one of these and maybe just adjusting the small things that made this you know, a little bit a little bit sketchy, like the Jamal thing. Like if, if they just, if they switched, if they made it a little tiny bit better, I think that it could work really well. And I, I don't think it worked horribly the first time. I think it was just very overshadowed. Yep. All right. So my next pick, hmm. I'm going to have to go with one of the most screwed players ever. And it's funny because he got screwed twice and people either love him, love him or hate him. Like, I don't think that there's a lot of in between. I'm going to take Andrew Savage. Um, so you have, he's actually screwed in both seasons he played. That's why I call him one of the most screwed players ever. Uh, first season he plays, he gets screwed by the Outcast tribe, and Lil comes back, and you know he's pretty much done from there. Like He's seen as the leader, and the fact that somebody that he had voted out comes back into the game did not bode well for him. Um, if there's no Outcast, tri- outcast uh, twist, then you don't know what could have happened with him. And then obviously the infamous way he goes out in Survivor Second Chance Cambodia with maybe the best idol play of all time with Kelly Wentworth. And he's in pretty much a picture-perfect position, you would think, where although he is seen as the leader, you know, he is seen as a leader or a leader in that strong nine, he was in a nine to three um, at that point in the merge. So, you know, he's in what you would theoretically say is a very good spot and then gets screwed by an idol play. So he's been screwed twice. So I think that when you talk about bad breaks... Savage has to be on the cast. Yeah, Savage definitely had some bad luck here. Um, I, I, Cambodia is tough because you could argue, well, he could have tried to connect more with the Witch's Coven and he wouldn't have been targeted or yada, yada, yada. But I do think he was dealt a bad hand there. But I felt even worse for him in Pearl Islands with the whole outcast twist. I'll also never forget when, um, you know, Lil, Lil gets voted out uh, pre-merge and she's she goes to him and says like, hey, will you... I, I can't do a, like a soft little <laughs> voice that... Um, that some other people do, but um, she goes to Savage and goes, will you tell me if I'm going to get voted out? He goes, oh, I'll tell you. And he doesn't tell her and she leaves. And then that iconic moment where it's now the merge and he says, hey, Lil, are you going to vote with us or with the Drake tribe? And, and she says to him point blank, do you remember when I asked you to tell me and you didn't tell me? I, that, 
So again, he got a really raw deal here because of the outcast twist, which is arguably considered to be one of the worst twists ever in Survivor. So again, I think that the show and Jeff love him. So if he wants to come back, I could see it happening. Yeah, and I mean the fact that uh, <laughs> I mean the outcast twist. It's like at least with Redemption Island, at least with Edge of Extinction, you see what's going on. Them like you don't know what happens like in the time that they were outcasted and voted out. So and then they end up you know all coming back for a challenge, which they win. And to them, Burden and Lil get back into the game. So I, I think it's what a bizarre twist that was. But early Survivor, and you never know. You know they were trying stuff out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, your pick here. All right. Well, Megan actually took my pick in the chat. I'm going with Michelle Yee, somebody who is, I think, widely forgotten about in Survivor, unless you're a hardcore fan and you study the game and you know, like, I mean, I, if you're on Reddit and you're, you know, a big fan of the game, then you know what's happened to Michelle Yee. But honestly, I think you can make the argument other, other than like Sari or something like that. Michelle is easily one of the most screwed people in survivor history and it's considered to be one of the most notorious twists and it's forgotten about because fiji is widely considered to be a bottom five bottom ten season um michelle really got a bad deal here because um i think she was a, a really likable player she was in a good spot being aligned with earl and yao man um and i think no one was really gunning for her overall but the worst twist happened because and i think this is, this is one of a few times this, this has happened we kind of saw it in Ghost Island as well, where the tribes go to the merge and Jeff says, all right, instead of competing for a reward as a new 10-person merged tribe, you're going to break into five groups but compete for immunity. The losing fivesome goes to tribal and goes to tribal immediately after this challenge. So this is a problem for a couple of reasons for Michelle. Number one, she's on a tribe with people that she's not aligned with and all her allies are on the other side. Number two... She doesn't even get to go back to camp to make a plea to stay in the game. She has to go immediately on the boat to tribal. So she really had no chance to save herself. And I just think that even though Michelle and Fiji are both kind of forgotten about, if we're going over bad breaks, nobody else on this list really had to go to a impromptu split uh, merge tribal with no chance to campaign for yourself. So this was a really, really bad situation. Yeah, and they kind of did like a somewhat like weekend version of this in islands of the idols when they when they split them up into two um two groups of five and said you're each group of five is going to vote someone out you know it's not the same but it was it was a similar concept and one that could end up screwing you know that could end up screwing a lot of players if you're not in the numbers so and that's exactly what happened here well in ghost island we saw this happen it was that challenge where dominic one where you had to like hold the like the ball on the ramp above your head like that and yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's where Michael Yerger gets voted out. But um, at least in that situation, both tribes got to go back to camp and, you know, strategize. So I just feel like it's not fair to let somebody who gets swapped into a bad tribe not even get to go back to camp and campaign for themselves. Yeah, I yeah, I, I agree with you. That, it's a good pick. It's a good pick. Um, all right. My next pick here, I am going to go with – I'm going to go with Devin um Devin Pinto he was in our thumbnail I knew someone was going to take him um but you know Devin is somebody who everyone considers to be extremely underrated um very under the radar player in a season who gets all the way to the final four and would have would have probably gone to the final three for sure had the final four fire making twist not been introduced but you know Ben loses final immunity because he puts the upside down you like that 
Chrissy ends up winning and then Ben gets his chance to make fire against Devin in order to get back in. So instead of Devin coasting to the final three with Chrissy and Ryan, Ben ends up in the final three instead and ends up winning the game. So if there was no final four fire making, if this was season 34, 33, Devin could be a winner of survivor. So, and I personally, I think Chrissy ends up beating him, but I think that there is a case for Devin to be made against Chrissy. And he did, he did have some savvy play that we did talk about previously in some of our videos. Yeah, no, um, that's a really, that's a, it's a good pick. I think the problem here is that God, I, the, the fire making twist is so controversial. You, I think you either like you and have said you either love it or you hate it. And I personally don't like it, especially because of what it did to Devin and Chrissy. Devin's somebody that I think, like I said, he was on my board of my team for the second chance season that we drafted. And I think that he's a great player, really underrated by his cast. And I think that if he comes back, as long as people don't remember what he did, I think he could do extremely well on a second chance here. And I think he just showed that without a twist like that, he had the strategic chops. He's like, he's likable. He's good at challenges. He could have really won that game. And, you know, we kind of went over a trend where, except for Tommy, the person who wins the fire making usually wins the game. So if he beats Ben in that fire making twist, even if it does still happen, he could have beat Chrissy and Ryan because the jury would have been impressed. He took out Ben, who was the biggest threat there. So honestly, I think Devin deserves a second chance because of this twist. And I think he could do really well. Yeah, he's somebody that if he plays again, I think we'll see him on a second chance too. And I'm hopeful that due to all the fan, the fa- all, due to all the fans who are asking for it, and due to all the fan theoretical, you know, second chance to casting, you know, we've seen it with Peridium, we've seen it, we we did it, you know, we've seen plenty of other channels that talk about Survivor do their theoretical cast. If you look on Reddit, it's easily one of the most discussed topics. I think that we will get a Survivor second chance too. I just don't know. Uh, hopefully it's either 42 or 43. So hopefully we'll see it either in late 2021 or early 2022. I do think it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I think for sure it's going to happen, especially with all the fans you know, asking for it. So, I, I, just, I just think it's really quickly, I, I think it's a slam dunk. Not only are you bringing back people that the fans want to see get a second chance, but if you allow them like the first time to vote for who they want the cast to be, that's I think it's a slam dunk for marketing as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's 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 the perfect theme, in my opinion, just the way that I think everything's perfect about it. But your pick now. We're halfway through. All right, let's see. I'm, I'm trying to do very clean, like, uh, woman, man, woman, man, just to, like, make it even for the tribe. Uh, so I'm up to a man right now. Um, I'm going to take Terry Dietz. I think Terry Dietz is someone we had on our third time's a charm, but it's kind of weird because he technically needs a second chance because the second chance was taken from him due to family emergency. I just think, again, I wouldn't even call it a bad break because obviously you can't blame whatever happened because it was a family emergency. But I think Terry needs his real second chance at the game, if not his actual third chance. Terry Dietz is a physical beast in the game. Um, I think he showed that he was a little bit, you know, out of the loop when it came to the strategy in Cambodia. He was kind of out of the fast pace that the game has become. So now that he's been witness to that, I want to see how he plays for a third time, hopefully with no more emergencies and where he can say, I'm a physical player, but I need to really adapt to this new speed of the game. I think Terry is also really likable. People do want to work with Terry. And I think also when um, the whole Shireen thing happened where Shireen kind of cast Abby aside and then was voted out, you know, Terry Dietz kind of connected with Abby in a way. So I think Terry has the chops to go far in any season he comes back in. 
Yeah, I I mean, immunity challenge beast in his first season, Panama, and now comes back for a second chance in Cambodia and is unfortunately pulled from the game due to a medical emergency at home. And I mean, again, it's it's a bad break. I mean, anybody who's either been pulled for injury or has had to leave the game because of a family thing, you know, it's a bad break. It's, you know, your, your, your game of survivor is coming to an end because of an unfortunate circumstance and it's out of his control completely. So I really do hope Terry gets a second chance. Uh, or I should say a third chance, but really would be his second, second chance. And I think that this type of season is, would be perfect for it. I think again, like, like a Malcolm, like a Savage, I think if he wants it, they'll give it to him. I know Propes loves Terry Deet. So if he wants to go, I think it's in the cards. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. All right. So my pick now I am going to take, Hmm. I'm going to take Lauren Rimmer from Heroes, Healers, Hustlers. So, I know, I know this is somebody that we spoke about as somebody who could get a second chance. Um, and, you know, I, I could see it as well. She's somebody who I think completely exceeded expectations from, you know, what we saw early in the game to how she how you know, how her story arc went throughout the game. You know, she ends up being a really, really good player and a pretty big threat to win the game. And Ben ends up using a Ben bomb on her and she goes home with, I believe, only one vote against her, which was Ben. So really, really unfortunate that, you know, literally all took was one vote and an idol for her to go home. So I, you know, for, for, to me, I think it's a bad break um, for sure. So I'd love to see her back. Well, not only Ben having an idol, but Dr. Mike throwing half her idol into the fire as well. That was, yeah. that was heartbreaking to watch just seeing her idol thrown into the fire. And she just puts her hands in her face and is like, Oh my God, I can't believe half my idol is gone. And now it's null and void. Um, Lauren, I think you like, you right, said, right. I, I didn't even, I didn't even mention that that did, that did happen. I should have mentioned that. <laughs> Damn it, Dr. Mike. <laughs> um, again, I think, like you said, you brought up a great point. Lauren is a really great um, player, really underrated. I think the fans loved her because of her no-nonsense attitude. She wasn't going to suffer fools. She wasn't going to um, pretend to be somebody that she wasn't. And I really think that you know, if she wants to come back, I think the fans are really clamoring for Lauren to come back. She's a really great player. And I think between, like you said, between the um, – Ben playing an idol and only one vote against her and Dr. Mike throwing her, her idol in the fire. I just think Lauren, that one episode went from up here all the way to down here. Cause even there was a point where before Ben found his idol, that alliance of her, Devin and Ashley, were going to consider blindsiding Ben. So she was in a great spot. And I don't even think Chrissy and Ryan were going to go after her. And she just really went from again, here to here with the whole circumstances of events. There was a point. I clearly remember this. There was a point in this game where I thought she was going to win the season. I thought, I thought River, River had it in the bag. I, thought, I, I think it was around this time, right when she got voted out. But I do remember thinking to myself, you know what? She may end up winning this season. Like that's, she was a really solid player. So God, I was, I was rooting for, I remember now I was rooting for Lauren. So I, I would be, I'd be surprised if we don't see her on the second chance ballot for sure. If there is another second chance season, which both of us think that there definitely will be. Let's hope. All right. Your pick now. My pick. All right. Let's go with um let's go with Xi'an. Xi'an from Thailand and also from um All Stars. I think like Michelle Yi, she got into a really bad spot just because of the circumstances of the twist. And I I and she's actually a pick where I'm not picking her because I think she'll go far because she's been known to um clash with a lot of people. So I don't know if her 
the way she plays the game. I don't know if um oh yes, actually Kirk brings up a, a good point that we mentioned earlier that Parv actually had a nullifier but didn't didn't go to use. So we only saw it used twice, but there right. were other nullifiers That's, out there. That, that the, is a good that is a good point by Kirk. Thank out you. There for in the that. ether, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, again, I'm not picking her because I think she'll go far because I think that Sheehan has a tendency to um, you know, get into arguments with people, but she really got dealt a bad hand here and got a really bad break because if anyone doesn't remember Thailand, it was a long time ago, they had a fake merge. Basically at the final 10, because for the first four seasons, they merged a 10. Um, the Purple Tribe gets a note saying, go to the orange, I think it's Sukjai and Chuigan, I think. They say, go to this other tribe's camp. So they think, oh, it's a merge. It's final 10. It's a likely a merge. It's five and five. Let's do it. She gets there. And there's no indication that it's not a merge. They are all living under one camp. And she says, look, my tribe doesn't like me and I need to flip. So I'm going to go to the uh, Chewigan tribe and try to flip. And her tribe says, like, we see that you're trying to flip. Like, where are your loyalties? And she's like, oh, I'm not going to tell you where my loyalties are because she's fully planning to flip and move into the next alliance. They get to the challenge and Jeff goes, oh, by the way, there's no merge. You're still competing as tribes. And then her tribe loses and her tribe's like, well, you basically just said you were going to flip on us, so we're going to vote you out. And I think that's really unfortunate that it was hyped up to be a merge and it wasn't. And she tried to make a strategic move to flip and it got flipped back on her. So I think that she was dealt a bad hand. And then in All-Star, she was also was an underdog there, but she kind of got left out of the votes with the um, Chapira versus Mogo Mogo tribe divisions. So I think Shein should come back because she got a bad break. Yeah, I mean, obviously she would have played it differently if it wasn't a fake type, fake merge type thing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I don't know. Shein is very confrontational, so I think that that definitely works against her. Even if you know, even if there was no fake merge in that in uh, season five, she comes back in season eight, and you know, one of the reasons she is left out of the votes is because she is that she is kind of butting heads with a lot of people. So I do think that that's a major problem with her game, is mm -hmm. you know, her social game in general. But yeah, for sure, bad break. Um, all right. Now, moving to my pick here, I'm going to take Kimmy Kappenberg from season two and season 31, specifically screwed in season 31, where she goes out in a no vote tribal council um, because she was one of the she's one of the three players who are not immune in that tribal council is final six. Jeremy plays an idol. Kelly plays an idol. All the votes either fall on Jeremy or Kelly and you know, and so so there's no vote to the tribal council. Spencer has immunity, so the only three that can be voted out are Tasha, uh, Kimmy, and Keith. Um, Jeremy and Spencer basically said they were not going to budge, and Tasha was not the one going home. So it was either going to end up being between Kimmy and Keith. Keith almost ends up giving up his spot to have Kimmy stay, but ultimately the others kind of convinced Keith not to do that and not to just lay down a sword. So Kimmy is the one who goes home with no votes against her. And it is a pretty unfortunate situation for her with the no votes. Yeah. I, yeah. Again, I mentioned this on our last podcast where we covered the top uh, moments in survivor history with this no votes tribal in Cambodia. But I really think it, the perfect analogy is when you're starting a game of pool and you kind of hit the eight ball into the rest of the um, balls and they all scatter. I think anything could have happened in Cambodia after this tribal, whether Kimmy went out or Keith volunteers to leave or Tasha gets blindsided or Jeremy gets blindsided or Wentworth got blindsided. Only one that couldn't leave was Spencer because of the immunity. But I really do think that Kimmy could have made a 
run to the final three and maybe could have won. I know that was confrontational when I said that's a half, but um, she maybe could have won Cambodia. So I do think that if that tribal went differently, she was poised to maybe do well. So I want to see Kimmy get a third chance. Yeah, I would not mind that at all. Mm-hmm. All right, your pick. All right, I was debating between a couple different guys here, but um, Will mentioned him in the chat, so I'm going to go with him. I'll take Marcus from Gabon. We're going back to the um, Aaron Reesberger school of being swap screwed. Um, Marcus got a really bad swap screw here, and it was, like Will mentions in his comments, it was really interesting because Gabon had two tribe swaps, and, you know, this has never happened before you know cambodia where it was like we're gonna swap and then we're gonna swap again like now in the new school era of survivor in the 30s we see a lot of double swaps it's not unnatural but to see it in season 17 where we haven't really seen it before it was kind of weird and not only was it weird by seeing it but it was weird because it happened at final 10 and then they merged at nine and he was the only player in the pre-merge where he was on the jury it felt kind of weird i don't know if i want to go with will's theory that production swapped it from a merge to a second swap because that alliance of marcus corinne uh randy bob and charlie would have ran the game and they wanted kenny and crystal to do well i don't know if i buy that but it did seem a bit weird and marcus was in a really bad spot after the swap so i want to see him maybe get another chance at the game i think he was somebody that was well liked he kind of was that guy that everybody wanted to be friends with he was in a really good alliance he was physical uh, he, he's a doctor. He's really, really smart. So if the cards were dealt differently, I think he could have maybe got to the end. Yeah. I mean, again, like when, when you see, when you see a, 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 a typical thing um, that, you know, happens in new school survivor, when it first happens in old school survivor, you know, it is a big shock, you know, fans and players have not seen something like that before. So that, for that to happen to him, I mean, it's pretty brutal. So yeah, and Gabon's all, and uh, when we talk about seasons that are either overrated or underrated or even like properly rated, I feel like Gabon gets a bad rap. I, I know it's not the greatest season out there. I feel like it would, it would be in my like bottom half if we're going to go like top 20, bottom 20, but I don't think it's as bad as some people say. I think it is a bit underrated in terms of a season, in terms of characters and also strategy. Um, if I was picking a season to rewatch, it's been a while since I saw Gabon, so I might consider checking it out again. And you also have to consider that Gabon is surrounded by China, Micronesia, Tokentine, Samoa. It is it is the worst out of that bunch. So, all right. Um, my next pick here, I'm going to go with James Clement, um, somebody who, you know, and I'm not I'm not picking him because he goes home with two idols in his pocket. I'm picking him because he sustains two injuries the next time he play he plays. He gets medevaced on, I believe, day 31 in Micronesia because of a thumb injury um, or infection, I should say. And then comes back in Heroes vs. Villains and tears his ACL and gets voted out because of that. And Colby gets to see another day because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's just pretty unfortunate for a player like James, who is one of the most popular players ever to play the game. Two-time fan favorites have to be eliminated from the game twice because of injury. And, you know, I think that if there was a legend season, um, or if there was a unfinished business type season, James could be on it. And, you know, I, I have been watching a little bit of, you know, the, the video uh, stuff that Russell's been putting out lately on his channel and he's personal friends with James. And he says, he said recently in one of his videos, I'm not sure what it was. He said, 
trust me, if James was asked, he would play again. So really, you never, you never know about that. That's not something that I ever expected, you know, but Russell did say that from what he's spoke to James about as a friend, he thinks James would definitely play again. So I, I, I don't know. I'd love to see James out there again. I don't know if we ever will, but I hope the show considers it. That's surprising. I thought James was off the survivor grid entirely. Although now that I think about it, he was at the Ghost Island reunion because Jeff was like, hey, we brought back your idol in uh, Ghost Island. So maybe he's not as far removed as, as I thought. But yeah, I mean, James obviously was one of the most popular players at the time. And I think to basically get voted out and medevaced two seasons back to back due to an injury is terrible luck. Also, the reason why they banned Schmergen Brawl, they banned that challenge ever again. And then the infection was just a really bad... I mean, anyone can get an infection on their finger. It was just really bad luck. Um, I think the old school fans would love to see James. I, I'm curious how many new school fans know about uh, James um, if, if they just started recently. But I think old school fans would love to see James. Yeah, I completely agree. All right. All right. Okay. Getting down to the wire. Only a few picks left. Um, oh, this is tough. I know we're going to have some honorable mentions as well that don't get picked. But what... I want to pick here. All right. I'm just going to stick with the criteria. This is a player who, like Sheehan, I don't know a lot about, but I do think she got a really bad draw like Michelle Yee. I'll take Jenny from Cook Islands. Um, this is a twist where that tribe of um, uh, Rarotonga went to tribal council and they were given a bottle and said, please open this at tribal. So they vote out Rebecca. And essentially, then they open it and say, oh, you voted somebody out, vote somebody else out. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that Jenny thought she was in the majority. She actually was in the minority and was going to be targeted along with Rebecca, who went out at that tribal council. And I think that had she had time to go back to camp, I don't, I don't remember her being that savvy of a player. So maybe she would have been in a bad spot either way. But she at least like Michelle could have campaigned for herself and she basically opens the note and says, Oh, vote somebody else out. And she had no shot there at all. So if we're going to go off the criteria of getting a bad break, I think this is a pretty rough twist. Yeah. I mean, rough twist, not, not a player that a lot of people, you know, would know about or remember, but I, it is a rough twist. So yeah, I mean, I, I, that's a fine pick. Um, but for my pick here, I'm going to go with somebody who was recently brought up in the comments um, and I'm a little bit surprised that he lasted this far down the list. Um, Megan mentioned him earlier. I'm going to take Eric Reichen back, who was, you know, Eric was medevaced from the game at the final five, um, you know, pretty much on the same day. I think the same exact day that he yeah. was put, was, you know, famously gave up his immunity to Natalie in season 16. So, you know, a lot of people think that Eric would have had a chance to win that game because he, you know, he is an immunity threat. He could have won immunities, and you never know. If he did take Cochran out, I think that with the field left that was there, he easily would have had a decent shot to win the game. So it is unfortunate that Eric had to go out that way, um, and I'd be completely for him getting another chance. Yeah. Eric is somebody who and don't, don't I'm going to sound so mean for saying this. I kind of want to see him play again just to see if he gets voted out on day 36 for a third time in a, in a <laughs> row. Um, but no, I mean, obviously the fans love Eric, the only player to go from a fan to a favorite. Um, I do think, I do think the fans of the show love him. And 
barring any medical emergency, I think that Eric could go far again. He's good at challenges. People like him. And I think obviously he learned from his first massive mistake in Micronesia. So I think if he wants to come back, he would. I have a feeling though, maybe he would decline if he was asked, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I completely agree. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see. I, I don't end. I don't think he ends up playing again. I don't even know if he'll end up getting asked to play again, but he is definitely somebody that the fans did come to love. So, yeah. All right. All right. Your last pick. My last pick, and it's a guy. I'm torn between three people, and whoever I don't pick, uh, we can go over them in honorable mentions, but they're all people who suffered a fate that was already on this list. So, I was thinking of Silas from Africa, who got swap screwed like some of these people, Pascal from Marquesas, who went out in a rock draw like Jessica. And Dan from David versus Goliath, who got idle nullified. So they all went out in a way that was already shown on this list. So who would I want to put on this cast as my last pick? I'll go back to the old school. I do want to see some kind of like Jervis, kind of like uh, Jeff Varner, kind of like um, who else? Old school. Um, Kimmy Kappenberg. People who were old school that came back. I, I, I always love seeing how they play again. So I'll go with uh, Silas. Only because I feel like Pascal is somebody who... I don't think Pas- Pascal was old when he played. I don't think he wants to come back at this point in, in his life or his career. But Silas was somebody who was the victim of the first ever swap screw and the first ever tribe swap in Africa. I mean, this changed the game. Essentially, you had um, Borneo and Australian Outback where the game was kind of set up and it's two tribes duking it out. It's two tribes that are going to battle and battle and whoever makes it to the merge with more people might run the game. And then in their third season, and I give Survivor props for kind of jumping the shark and going, hey, we're going to throw a big twist in season three. This show was not even five seasons old yet, and they're already changing the game. Um, talk about game changers. And they Jeff brings um, three people from each tribe to the middle of, of, of a savanna. By the way, Africa, like China, one of the most unique and beautiful locations Survivor ever shot. And I think both tribes get a note saying, pick three people to go to this location and Jeff's there and says, hey, you three, go to this tribe. You three, go to this tribe. And Silas was kind of left out of the um, the loop there. And I do think had he played better, he could have saved himself. But he was in a bad spot. So because of that reason and because of seeing old, pe- old school people play again, I want to maybe see Silas come back. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for old school players, especially really old school players like this returning for another time. And, you know, the original swap screw um, as – Megan commented in the chat here. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm all for that pick of Silas right there. Um, but for my last pick, so, okay. So I got to break down my, my mindset here for my last yeah. pick. I want to go with somebody who was voted out because of a, because of the dumb vote somebody out before we even go to camp or vote somebody out before people are even in tribes twist. I think that's a ridiculous thing that's been done one too many times. Um, it honest, uh, you know, maybe more than one too many times. I don't think it ever should be done, but it's been done multiple times. So I'm um, either between Candace or Wanda because I need to pick a girl. Now this is interesting because Candace has already played multiple times, so I'm really inclined to give it to Wanda here because I know that she's kind of been a meme slash like people love her just from in the Survivor community, and I think that's what my pick is going to be here. You know, if we talk about a twist that was extremely unfair. Um, it's, it's, the it, it's this Palau twist right, right here. And I mean, Palau starts where everybody is together in one camp, one tribe for a night. And then the next day there are two captains and they pick, you know, they, they pick the, 
there are two captains who the ones who got to the beach first on that marooning i should say and then they get to draft their tribes and you know because you know because wanda is you know one of the older women you know in this out of everybody there she ends up not being taken and is there therefore vote you know eliminated from the game on day two so really bad beat for her there you know not great uh you know, look, I could have put, you know, I'll put Kansas in honorable mentions. I could have put her there, but I personally think that just from what I've been reading around the survivor community, I think people are kind of like done with Candace. Like they've seen her play enough. Like, you know what you're going to get from Candace. So I think that having, you know, we talked about, you know, me wanting us wanting to make this a diverse cast, you know, people who have been legends and, you know, pretty much got all the way almost to the end multiple times, like a Suri who's a legend of this game. And now we go all the way you know, to somebody who was voted out due to a dumb twist in on day two. So I think that it is really a wide range of people here, but that's, you know. Oh that, my God. Somebody, <laughs> somebody get Josh Wiggler on the phone. If Josh is out there, get Josh on the phone. Cause Wanda is on this cast and is singing away. Um, I, I love this pick. I do think it's always a dumb twist to vote somebody out before the, the game starts. Um, and other seasons have changed it up where, you know, in token chains and in Kageon, it's like, Hey, some tribe votes somebody out. Oh, but hey, they're not actually out of the game. They're just going to go to camp early and they now need to change their perception. I think that's kind of cool. When somebody doesn't get voted out before the game starts, I think to go through all that casting process just to leave is a little unfair. I mean, granted, Wanda with the singing kind of did it to herself, even though we love the singing, but I think it'd be cool. I Wanda, the English teacher, would be fun to see play again. Will she keep singing? Will she get voted out first? who knows i don't know but it's an interesting pick for sure yeah and i mean look if we talk about honorable mentions here we could have gone with dan as somebody who was voted out you know dan from david versus goliath who was voted mm-hmm. out due to an idle nullifier i think you know he was he was a pretty good player so i i would i would be surprised if survivor brought him back um and i don't think he was any type of a fan favorite but i do think he was a pretty solid player and did go you know, go, go, go home due to a pretty bad twist. So he was definitely in consideration. Um, you know, Ru- Rupert is also somebody who, um, who was voted out due to the same twist that Kansas was voted out where they were voted out before the game even started. And, Ru- and, you know, it was really Laura, Laura was voted out and Rupert famously took, took her place. So, you know, I guess it was a little bit more on Rupert because he did end up taking Laura's place heroically. Um, but you know, it's still a bad twist. The fact that his wife had to be voted out before the game even started, like, obviously, you know, he's been the one to play the game at that point. It was the fourth time he had played and she had never got to play the game. So, you know, it was something that he definitely was going to do, you know, especially Rupert, um, out of all people, the, you know, the hero Rupert. Um, but yeah, I, I just, because we've seen Rupert and Kansas so much, that's why I didn't have them. Let's be honest. The real reason why he would be on bad breaks isn't because of the uh, blood water twist. It's because I broke my toe on. <laughs> um, but no, I mean it's actually funny. Like when we were talking about bad breaks, we kind of said, should we put Rupert on for the broken toe? Should we put Pat from David versus Goliath on for the broken back? Not to like you know mince words, but yeah, that's kind of funny though. And um, I do agree with Will. We're here for all the wand offs about Wanda. Um, <laughs> yeah. So to going back to what Dylan was saying though. So Dan was somebody we had considered for honorable mentions. Uh, also, Rupert, Candace, Jonathan was Wanda's counterpart that didn't get picked in Palau before the game started. Uh, Pascal, like I mentioned, was the other rock draw victim, along with Katie, Tina's daughter, 
also rocked out of the game. So those all were our honorable mentions. And I'm really happy with our cast. And I'm also happy with our honorable mentions. So basically 20 people on the cast and our five honorable mentions. Because when we were doing our research and when we were thinking about this, we came up with our list. Then we kind of went to YouTube and read it. And we kind of wanted to see what other people thought. And I think this is the list that everybody kind of agrees. These are the people who got the worst draws in Survivor. So, and listen, I think this is a diverse cast, not only in terms of when they played, but in terms of age, in terms of, um, you know, race. I think this is a really diverse and really interesting cast. Although in terms of legend status, I'm sure Malcolm and Sari walk up to the beach and go like, this is who we're playing with. But um, I think this is a really, really interesting cast of people. Yeah. And I mean, Will mentions in the comments, Pat from David vs. Goliath. Um, he's somebody that, you know, could be brought back in the future, depending on if they want to give him another chance like they gave Caleb. I know Caleb was a star on Big Brother before Survivor. So I think that them bringing him back was a no brainer, no matter what. Um, medevac-, medevac or not, I could have seen it. Um, Pat, I don't really know because we only saw him for three days and that was it. Um, but yeah, Pat does really get unlucky with the bad weather and the boat ride on the first day where he nearly breaks his back. Neil was another person. Neil from Korong was medevac and he, you know, he seemed to pretty much know what he was doing in terms of strategy. So I think that he got a bad break as well. Yeah, honestly, a lot of the medevacs could have been here because of a really bad draw. I mean, you also could kind of um, someone that I actually just thought of right now that I didn't even put on my list was Russell Swan from Philippines. By the way, Philippines, I think, is a, um amazing season. I don't know if I would put it in my top 10, but I Philippines is a season like Heroes versus Villains where I could go back and enjoy Philippines. It, it's an amazing cast. It's a really great season with strategy. I, I, I'm a big Philippines fan. But, um, you know, Russell Swan, I do think, got a bad break. One, because of the medical evacuation that happened in Samoa. And then, obviously, he was on Matt Singh, which is considered to be one of the worst tribes in history on Philippines. So... He's somebody else that he, he fits the criteria of an injury and a really rough start to the game that I think also could have been on bad breaks. Yeah, that, that is interesting as well. I, I just, the, for some reason, I was looking at my honorable mentions and I'm like, I didn't even consider Russell Swan. I don't know why I didn't think about it. Yeah. All right. So before we wrap up here, we want to know from the people watching, we are going to do casting drafts the next few weeks, but we have to think about what theme that we're going to do. So some things that we're considering are something like a rival season, a duo season. Um, and I want to know, you know, rivals and duos are two things, two different types of seasons that come to mind right away. Also a runner, a runners up type season. Um, so those are, those are potentially our next three drafts, duos, rivals, runners up, like probably two of those three, at least will be our next drafts. We want to know outside of rivals duos and runners up we want to know what other types of seasons you guys would want to see us create um so those three plus what what do you want to see from us and then um we also want to know out of those three that i just mentioned rivals duos runner-ups which one do you guys want to see next week so possibly we'll put out a twi- uh, twitter poll to determine what we're doing next week um, and yeah, also want I, I'm also he- open to hearing ideas in the comments right here. Um, if you're watching this late, if you're watching this late, then be sure to, you know, put in the comments or tweet at us or DM us what you want to see. So Will says pre-merge only second chances too. I think that's a, de- that's definitely an interesting one. You know, it, yeah. it, it, it would, it would take, it would take a lot of research because a lot of these one-time pre-merge players are forgotten. Um, and it's very hard to determine which were quote unquote the best especially when they're going out so early in the game, but it is interesting. Yeah, no, I think that's a great one. Well, actually, that does require research, but I think it's a really great idea. So pre-merge only, 
rivals, duos, uh, runners up. Um, we actually had a couple in some YouTube comments. Somebody once said, and I don't know how this would work. They said like a not connected twist where like, you know, everyone on the, on the cast has not played with somebody else. So it's like all people playing for the first time with each other. I think that's also a really interesting twist. Uh, some people want to see uh, a all-star version of Brains, Brawn, and Beauty. So there's a lot of potential twists out there. And like Dylan said, we're going to do some drafts for the next few weeks. Then kind of like when we did the first four drafts, we'll take a break and cover some other types of off-season content. Um, and then we'll come back to the drafts and then we'll do some off-season content. And we'll, we'll kind of like change it up for you guys. So it's always fresh, new content it's, and it won't get stagnant. And also, like Dylan mentioned, we want to hear your ideas, not only because we want to really talk about what you guys want to hear, but also because it's a long off-season and we got time to talk about a lot of different things. So. Yeah, for sure. And let's some other ideas we have right here. The uh, the dream team, just like your ultimate tribe, not not considering if it's likely or how many times they played or placed, etc. Yeah, so that would be like a legends type season, which I definitely think we'll do a legends type season in the future for casting. It's just that I think I think two two of our most requested casting drafts ever have been legends and old school versus new school, and. We are, pro we are definitely going to do both Legends and Old School versus New School at a point. Um, but a lot of the Old School, New School, and Legends may be, may be including a lot of players that we have spoken about recently. So I think that it's probably best if we save those for a little bit later in the summer, especially because they're two of the most requested ones. And I'd, I'd love to save them for a little bit later. And we do have something that we're planning for Old School versus New School. So we'll let you guys, when we, we'll let you guys know about that when it's confirmed. But yeah, for sure. And <laughs> Alan says worst cast ever, such as Jatia, Colton. <laughs> what uh, the Q added is like a purely entertainment season where they give where they give us like all these just crazy characters like like that. Like wow, I did see. A, <laughs> I don't know. If you saw, I don't know if you saw on in, uh, Inside Survivor is doing like a poll um, to figure to figure out like voting like voting in second chance people they were kind of doing their own thing and jatia was actually among people on the ballot so interesting um, interesting that that, that that comes up there jatia is amazing tv um spoiler alert if we end up doing the pre-merge draft i you gotta put jatia on there um <laughs> actually i saw the survivor reddit twitter account tweet out if the um if 2020 was a tribe what would, what would it be and i think the brains tribe from kagiyan is easily 2020 material yes. Yes. Maybe if not them, then maybe Matt Singh from Philippines. But or, I think or, or Oolong. Or Oolong. One of those three. They <laughs> all have they all have 2020 chaotic energy. Either yeah. Oolong, Matt Singh, or Luzon, the Brains tribe. Easily 2020 energy. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, like I said, comment in comment on what we should talk about next. Um, what draft we should do next. Also comment um on our picks. What, what do you like? What do you not like? Who else do you think should have been included? Who shouldn't have been included? Stuff like that. Be sure to like this video. Be sure to subscribe to us. Also, you could follow us on Twitter at Soul Survivor Pod. You could follow us on Instagram at Soul Survivor Pod. And a new project that we've been doing that we absolutely love. We created a new Twitter account called No Context Probes, where it's a bunch of funny clips, pictures, and memes about Jeff Probes. We're kind of just looking from stuff all throughout survivor history and posting hilarious clips one or two each day um so be sure to follow that at no context probes if you like some funny videos and other than that you know be sure to like and subscribe to us here on youtube and i'm looking forward to next week looking forward to the next draft got nothing else for you and grab your torches and head back to camp good night